CBDC. The Bank for Canadian Entrepreneurs is a proud partner of the Startup Women podcast. BDC is here for women entrepreneurs in their efforts to move forward and achieve their business goals. To meet their specific needs, BDC provides financing, strategic advice, and has a wide selection of free resources. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women. BDC is here for what's ahead. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Startup Women podcast. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. You're listening to the Startup Women Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Startup Women Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and all of the support that you need to make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, CEO at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Michael Wood on our show today. Michael has become the face and voice of small businesses throughout Ontario. After the government regulated shutdowns in the wake of COVID-19 in March 2020, Michael watched the gross sales of his event rental company decline by 97% compared to the previous year, resulting in losses of more than $3 million. Michael's previous clients included the National Hockey League, FIFA, Cirque du Soleil, the Canadian Football League, and many local fairs, festivals, conferences, and trade shows. After a conversation with the city councillor in March of 2020, Michael began to appeal to elected officials and set up virtual roundtables where other small business owners could express their concerns directly to the federal, provincial, and municipal governments. Elected officials who have met with Michael include Minister Catherine McKenna, Minister Mona Fortier, Chair of the Federal Finance Committee MP Wayne Easter, Minister Pragmeet Sarkaria, Parliamentary Assistant MPP Stan Cho and dozens more. Along with a handful of other small business leaders, Michael met with Aaron O'Toole, the leader of the opposition, and the federal finance critic, Pierre Paulivier. Michael has also set up meetings with top officials from the Prime Minister's office and the Ontario Premier's office. Michael has been seen and heard on many traditional media stations, including Rogers Radio, Bell Media Television and Radio, the CBC, the Globe and Mail, Post Media, and nationally on CTV News. He has also appeared in media in countries including Australia and on an international scale. 
Michael is currently an award-winning professor at Algonquin College, where he teaches in the music industry program. He's a former touring guitarist and was discovered by legendary radio DJ Casey Kasim. Michael is a published author, voting member for the Juno Awards, and the former American Idol insider for various Fox News stations in the United States. Holy moly, Michael, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, when I started hearing it, I'm like, wow, I guess I've lived this rock and roll life. Thanks so much for having me. It's pretty impressive, Michael. I have to say it's quite, quite the introduction, and we're only going to be skimming the surface on all of these incredible accolades that you have, but uh, it does sound like you've had a, a life well lived. Very colorful experience so far. <laughs> For sure. And my birthday is on Monday. Oh. And so let's see what the following year brings. Because uh, a lot of these things I never thought would ever happen, Kayla. So here we are. That, that is a fabulous lesson in entrepreneurship. You never know where you're going to end up. <laughs> exactly. 100%. So what is the most important thing you want our audience to take away from today's conversation, Michael, before we dive in? The most important thing, I think, is that there's no limits to what you can do. And if you decide that this is what you're going to do, you focus your energy on something, regardless of how many people tell you it will never happen or, you know, I don't think this is the best route for you to go. You know, if you believe in something, then go for it. And, you know, I think I'm almost a prime example of somebody that just went for it. I've lived a very unorthodox life, uh, especially for someone that lives in Ottawa. And, um, you know, it's, it's been, it's been like the best thing ever. Amazing. So walk us through this entrepreneurial journey. What did life look like for you before March of 2020? And then we'll discuss the after. <laughs> sure. Sure. Cause the after may be much longer than the before. So, um, back in 2010, uh, my longtime friend, Peter Gilroy, who actually produced all of my independent music, um, prior to my life as a rock and roller back in the day, he, he invited me down to Italian Week, which is a big festival here. And he said, you know, it, if we wanted to get into this world of renting tents and tables and chairs, we could. And so I, I thought about it and I went home that night and I bought OttawaSpecialEvents.com because it sounded good to me and it was available and uh, something a lot of people don't know is I'm a little bit of a search engine optimization nerd. <laughs> and uh, which, you know, is in stark contrast to my life of playing in a rock and roll band. And so uh, we bought, I bought it. I built this website and I said to Pete, I said, look, I think we can do something here. And we, the phone started to ring. It just started to ring off the hook. Do you have this? Do you have that? I thought, Kayla, the first time someone asked for 400 chairs, I was like, 400 chairs? Holy. And uh, so we grew this business where we own no inventory. We cross rented from other companies and uh, out of my apartment at the time and his house at the time. Um, and we grew it to a business that grossed over $3 million a year. During our peak season, we had 50 full-time employees. Uh, throughout our downtime, it was still 23 full-time employees to operate what we were doing. And then... March 2020 happened. Here we are. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, what did what did that look like originally? You know, if we look back at, you know, March 11th or, you know, that sort of second, third week of March, obviously some industries can pivot more easily than others, uh, but yours being a space that would be, um, you know, hit really significantly, if not sort of catechismically, um, walk us through what that was look, what that looked like for you in the days, um, you know, mid-March and how this shift into advocacy happened um, further to all of the fabulous consultations we mentioned in your bio. Sure. So I actually will even go back to January, let's say January 2020. And I remember sitting on my couch watching the news and thinking to myself, oh man, I I really hope this doesn't come here, right? Because, you know, so many countries were dealing with such problems, Italy and and of course China. And and so, you know, I was sitting there with my fingers crossed and, you know, moving the clock forward to March 11th, like you're saying, to me, I don't want to sound like, you know, I had all the answers or, or I saw something coming, but I really had a bad feeling that we were going to be ended up, we're going to end up in some sort of lockdown. So I did call the city councilor, a friend of mine, and I said to him, you know, are you guys going to close the city? Is the province closing? Is the country, you know, what can you tell me on sort of, you know, yeah. inside scoop? And uh, he said, all I can tell you is you should start calling your MPs and your MPPs to figure out what this is going to look like. And, and Kayla, like, you know, I, at one point in my life, I desperately wanted to be Axl Rose. <laughs> and so, you know, I never had any experience with uh, dealing with government relations and dealing with MPs and MPPs. And further to that point, you know, you go over and have dinner with my dad and my dad said, there he goes, I wrote another letter to the prime minister today. And so I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to become my father by doing this <laughs> somehow, which scared me more than anything else. And uh, so anyways, I did start. My first call went to Minister Catherine McKenna. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was shocked uh, that I, within an hour, we had a meeting lined up to chat. And so, you know, that's sort of how it all started was with just this one call with the city councillor, one minister saying, yes, I'll meet with you. And then here we are. Wow. Incredible. And so to our listeners wondering also why we have a male perspective on the Startup Women podcast today, which is a little unusual for us. Um, a lot of the work that Michael has been doing has also been advocating on one of the you know groups of Canadians that has been the most disproportionately impacted. That's women entrepreneurs. Um, so Michael, how has that been embedded into all of the advocacy work that you've been doing? What are the things that you're hearing on the ground from women entrepreneurs in particular through this advocacy work that you're doing? Sure. So there are certain industries that are female dominated there's no question about it the beauty industry um hair a lot of that is dominated by women and uh i think that you know there's a lot of things that come along with that if we look at the lockdowns and you know even single mothers that are trying to juggle their business trying to homeschool their children and i'm not saying there's not single dads out there doing the same thing but i think that there were some unique challenges i thought there were some unique challenges there and so what I ended up doing was I reached out to Minister Jill Dunlop mm. um, in the Ontario government and her office. And I, I said, I need something, some resources put in place for my female colleagues. And uh, they agreed. They jumped right on and we had a round table. Again, this is not my first time where I'm, I'm the only man um, mm. in history because I did, I did moderate this, um, this call with the Minister of Women's Issues. And I had, I think, about 60 small business owners, all women on there, um, pleading in some case, uh, very, 
you know, specific uh, problems that they were facing during the pandemic. And now that we're almost a year and a half after that March, uh, you know, shift um, or pivot, the elusive pivot that we we all reference regularly, um, what are your key recommendations to government right now? How has this narrative evolved through the various shutdowns and, um, you know, the evolving situation that, that we're seeing for small businesses? What are the key urgent recommendations that you are making to federal provincial, municipal governments that um, need to be put in place to support small businesses today? That is a great question. And I recently just appeared before the Federal Finance Committee. Again I as saw a you there. It was very well done. I would love to get a recap on that for the audience because that was so beautifully spoken. It was uh, it was really well done, Michael. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. And and so, you know, basically, these are those were the key things. Number one, no-fault bankruptcy. What a lot of people who don't own businesses under know or understand is that loans were taken out pre-COVID that have personal guarantees on them. And those personal guarantees mean if the business goes bankrupt, they can't pay their loans, then they potentially lose their homes and their assets. This is not something that small business created. This is not something owners created. So there needs to be protection in place there. I just had a conversation during the intro. You mentioned Minister Pradmeet Sakaria. Uh, I was just on a call with him. And commercial insurance rates are going through the roof. So every time the government dictates or determines that a certain industry is high risk, we'll use restaurants as an example, and shuts them down, well, the insurance companies naturally turn around and go, well, that's high risk. We better up their insurance rates. So a lot of times now, corporate insurance is either far too expensive or can't they can't even afford it. So... You know, these are the two main things that uh, I've been I've been targeting. But there's there's other things as well too. Um, mental health. You know, a lot of people are struggling uh, personally. Marriages, relationships, they're breaking down, and all because of the amount of pressure and uncertainty on people. And what are you seeing small businesses do now at this stage of the game, those that have just been scraping by for the last year and a half, um, you know, trying to navigate each shutdown and being as positive as possible and navigating all these these changing restrictions? Um, what what are they doing in this moment to keep their businesses alive? And how has that served your advocacy by telling the stories of these businesses that have really been challenged for, for months on end? Well, I think the, the idea that this is the startup podcast I think we have to look at the, the left turn that they've made, or right turn, depending on, <laughs> I guess, what, what going they, upside down. however you look at it. <laughs> yeah, and, and they've gone online. And, you know, there is the digital Main Street platform, and there is funding available. So I think we've seen some businesses go online. Um, the last time I appeared before the Provincial Standing Committee on Finance, which was November, there was less than 6% of businesses had gone online. It's hard to compete when you are a small business that has never had to deal with anything like this, let alone a pandemic, but the technology, getting orders out, shipping. So it, it is, it's been tough. And, you know, the only thing that, you know, for me that has helped me, because I can't do any of it, is getting involved and, and getting involved with uh, the government in advocating. It's, it's really saved my mental health. It's given me focus, drive, direction, 
And, you know, I'm happy to help anybody that's listening right now that's struggling because it is a super tough time. Mm, but yeah, really beautiful that you found this this new sense of purpose and this new role um, that you could not have predicted, you know, a year and a half ago. So incredible that you've made really the most out of this, um, you know, position that you have in the ecosystem and this drive that you have to help small businesses. Well, I, I appreciate it. And upstairs in my closet, I still have my leather pants from my rock and roll days <laughs> and a feather boa. So, like, if people that know me would be like, this was the most highly, like, most highly unlikely thing that Mike Wood would ever do. <laughs> and, uh, but I've loved every, I've loved every, I wish it was under better circumstances, of mm -hmm. course, but I, I've loved, you know, being able to advocate and help have people have their voices heard. Fantastic. So, Michael, with a lot of our listeners and, you know, conversations that I've been having with entrepreneurs over the last year, many are really struggling with this shift online or their shift in their business that you mentioned earlier. Um, as an entrepreneur who also is in an industry that can't just, you know, flick on a, a digital switch, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs that can't make that pivot? Um, if they're not going to turn into, you know, fantastic advocates for small business, what other options do they have? And from your perspective, are there any great success stories um, of entrepreneurs that have either been inspired by your journey um, or uh, who you've provided valuable advice to to navigate through the pandemic? Well, that, that's a great question. And I don't know if I've given anybody any valuable advice. I I don't know. I'm just joking, of course. But I think somebody we both I think somebody we both know is Jared Goldsmith. Yes. And uh, so Jared has had this in-person networking thing called ESACs. And, you know, it's just in person and, and you would go and you'd meet some people and it'd be really great. Jared has pivoted online. So he's using this online platform and he is having events from clients around the world. So just one person that I'm blown away by and in awe of is, is Jared. And uh, anyways, you know, for the people though, like me that find it like hard, how are we, how do we do this? You know, how do we you know, make money. And, you know, I think part of it, like if you can't pivot, um, I, I think because the biggest problem, right, Kayla is, is debt and, and bills still coming in and so on and so forth. And I personally, um, have found that the people that auto special events has loans to and, and, um, leases on equipment and so on. I have been fortunate enough that they understand. But the thing is, though, I didn't let it just sit there and, and, and wait for, you know, the big call saying, hey, we need to come and repossess this piece of equipment. I 100% was out in the forefront talking to all of the creditors and saying, listen, here's where we're at. Now, for those that are sitting there saying, what do I do and, and what do I do with my business? You know, I... It's, it's almost the million dollar question because every industry is different and every industry would have some sort of, you know, possible side hustle or whatever the case is. I'm not going to lie to you. I just bought, I can't believe this is a thing, but I just bought muggers.ca to start like a little custom mug business. And uh, I'm just surprised. <laughs> muggers, yeah. And I, I'm going to have my most wanted list. I'm going to have like, turn in your order, you know, like that type of thing. Or, you know, if you need it fast, of course, it will be a 911 order emergency. But, you know, the thing is, is that every industry is different. Mm. And did I ever think I'd find myself at some point opening a custom mug business? No. But, um, you know, there's also getting out into the community and just trying maybe to give back to charity. And because charities are struggling, too. 
and helping those in the community because we all have to rally around each other. And if, if things are really tight, you know, there's, there's no shame. I think Hillary, the one thing, and I, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but one of the things that small business owners often would speak to me was if I can't survive this, I'm embarrassed mm. and I'm, so, I'm sorry, but after 14 months, even after three months, two months, two weeks, whatever it is, you gave it your all. Mm-hmm. And this is by no fault of anybody that were in this position. I, I feel so bad that people, if businesses are their people's identity. This is what they do. This is how people know them. And, you know, if things come to that point, there's, there's no shame. Like, you know, you, you were so brave for taking on opening a business that, you know, just, just hang in there and, and do your best, you know? That's such an important point that it's so, um, you know, connected to our our identities. And as entrepreneurs, you know, we put it all out on the line. And that risk, um, you know, sometimes pays off. Other times, um, you know, we need to go back to the drawing board based on so many different circumstances and variables. Um, but that shame, I think that's a really important piece that many entrepreneurs are struggling with right now that, you know, they see some businesses pivoting successfully and they wonder, what am I not doing, you know, or am I not as literate? in, you know, this type of tech or, you know, I don't know where to turn for support. And that shame can also add to your mental health point um, to really developing that sense of isolation, that being an entrepreneur is lonely on the best of days. How do we really create that supporting ecosystem to say, you know, we want to help you if you want to make that pivot. We want to help you go digital. Um, but also if, if it's time to shut down, we can also help you with that as well. And there is absolutely no shame in having to go into that direction. And that's the journey of an entrepreneur, even pre-COVID. It. That is always a risk, um, and sort of building in that failure complex is always something we've promoted, but um, is more essential now, now more than ever. One hundred percent, and and you're not alone. And, and you make a great point too about how a lot of times entrepreneurs live in isolation. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I've told this to many people. You know, I understand that you can't walk up to your staff around the water cooler and say, "I don't think we're going to make payroll this week." So you, you have to you have to internalize all of that. And that is not you need to have an outlet. You have to find people. Maybe it's your partner in life or maybe it's a friend. But you have to, you know, nobody, don't be ashamed. Don't be, you know, afraid to tell people how you're feeling, because, you know, I think it's only going to do more harm in the long run if you internalize everything. We, we have to find a way to get our you know, emotions and thoughts out. And, you know, I'm sure and I hope that people have somebody around them they can do that with. Agreed. And I think what's so beautiful about your advocacy is that it is rooted in that humanness, that you are presenting recommendations to government based on your own lived experience, um, but actually putting a face to a small business, that this storytelling component of your advocacy, I think, is so essential that we see, you know, if this government support is not working for a mom in rural Nova Scotia um, who, you know, can't take her business online, it brings that story to life in a different way um, and makes key decision making and policy uh, folks really aware of the challenges on a more human side. So I think that's also a really interesting perspective you're bringing from advocacy. Um, so perhaps that that transitions into my next question. Um, how can small business owners take recommendations and their own journeys and their own challenges to government to advocate either on behalf of themselves or small businesses that are like them? What does that first step look like for an entrepreneur that wants to veer into that space? That's an amazing question, and I'm glad you asked. So I understand that this is a a national podcast. 
I live in Ontario, so I'll just use Ontario as one example because I can promise you every province has this. But in Ontario, if you Google InfoGo, it is the Ontario uh, government directory. And if you type in the ministries, it will actually have all the employees in that ministry. So, you know, your first step should be to reach out to stakeholder relations. It should be operations manager, maybe a chief of staff. You know, I, I, I don't mind saying this, um, this being a women's podcast, Alexandra Hone uh, in Jill Dunlop, Minister Jill Dunlop's office, she's her chief of staff. Alexandra is amazing. And I know that a lot of times, you know, people may think, well, it's government. Do they really care? I will tell you, Alexandra cares more than anybody else on this planet. So, you know, if you go to InfoGo and you search, you know, women's issues, you will come across the directory. Her email's there. And I would start just reaching out and saying, I need, I need to speak to somebody. But when you do this, government wants to hear solutions. They just don't want to have a letter that's like, this is what you've done wrong. So how I started doing it, and thanks to dear old dad, who's written a thousand letters to the government, apparently. He's the one that suggested it, and it's worked well, is that I have my challenge and I have my solution. Then I have challenge two and I have solution two underneath that. And that's what I send. I don't just send, you know, these are, this is where I'm at. I actually provide the, you know, a solution to what we're all facing. And, and it's worked really well over time. Incredible. And have those solutions changed over time? That were your recommendations radically different a year ago versus what they are today? And is that okay Absol- from a government perspective? <laughs> Absolutely, because policies change. And, you know, the one thing that um, I actually feel very fortunate because Minister Sicaria did stand up in Queen's Park question period. And he said, you know, it was through meetings with people like like myself, not only me, but like myself, and he mentioned me by name, that they got involved in the rent program. And when I met with... Uh, the chair of the federal finance committee in June of 2020, I said to him, cause that's when the rent program was supposed to come to an end. And I said, you know, chair Easter, I said, what's going to happen is the program runs out in June and ironically Canada day, all these small businesses can't make rent. So uh, then of course the program was extended and extended, but yes, you know, as policies change and as things continue to develop, it's okay to follow up and it's okay to say, Look, we, I think we're 50% of the way there now. Um, I was fortunate enough in January that the Ministry of Finance for Ontario asked me to appear before the pre-budgetary consultation. Mm-hmm. And part of that was to ask for more of that small business grant money. And I think that I was probably one of a gazillion voices asking for more money. But, you know, it happened. So, And now I'm asking for a third round. So it's okay. Like, we just... We move with the times, and as policies change, evolve, we have to evolve and adapt as well. Mm, it's just like entrepreneurship. I think the parallels are right that, you know, we need to iterate, respond to the changing climates, respond to different needs, um, and, you know, consult <laughs> and, and get your voices heard and, um, you know, really be out there and, and champion it, you know, if that's your business, if that's your perspective. Um, having that boldness to go out there and put yourself front and center um, will ultimately serve you, and that risk, you know, hopefully has a great reward. Um, on the on the media side, so I know that you've also been doing.
doing um, a bit of media training and trying to connect um, entrepreneurs or small business owners with resources to help them get better media attention and, and you know share their stories nationally or provincially. What recommendations do you have to entrepreneurs to get their voices heard by media? That's, uh, man, Kayla, these are the greatest questions I've had during an interview. I, <laughs> I love it. So you're right. So what I, what I ended up doing was I did hold an info session with people from Bell Media and the Globe and Mail so that people could find out how they can actually, you know, have their voices amplified by mainstream media. And I did the same thing actually with uh, professional lobbyists probably a month ago so people could find out sort of along the lines of the questions you were asking, how do I get the government to hear me and how do I get them to respond? And so having said this, I have found two things. One, uh, building relationships. Again, it's very much like entrepreneurship. We build relationships with suppliers, clients, and you know we understand that everybody has a job to do. Um, and the first thing you need to do is make sure whatever you'd like to pitch to media is, is newsworthy. They don't want to be used as a, as a free advertising outlet. But if you can provide something that's newsworthy, I still stand by the old school press release, media release. Um, and, you know, there is a format that you can Google and find how to write one. But what I do is that I then post it on social media. Uh, I tag you know, my local radio station, my local uh, television stations. And I found, honestly, that once they read the press release and they realize uh, there might be a pre-interview to determine, you know, okay, is this exactly the angle we're looking for? And once you get those relationships, just last weekend, I was, I was out in the car driving and a reporter was texting me saying, hey, I need somebody from this area or I need somebody from this area. And I was able to connect them. So if this still isn't your world, you can always look at um, somebody that works for a PR company. Granted, during a pandemic, it's an extra cost, but um, I think you'll find that most people are just willing to help these days. That's one thing I found too, Kayla. Everybody's just willing to help. So, and if, if anybody wants to reach out to me, I, I'm happy to direct anybody where I can. Fantastic. That's so great to hear, Michael. And it has been really powerful. That sort of sense of camaraderie and community um, has been really powerful, specifically for women entrepreneurs in particular, trying to really rally um, and, um, you know, really support each other at different evolving moments of the pandemic as well, that, you know, it's business advice, it's personal advice, it's just a community to really feel less lonely. There's so many different um, variables that we've seen support manifest in, um, which has been really powerful. And one one good news story, I think, out of, out of what has been happening for the last year and a half. So final final questions for you, Michael. What What's next for you? How do you see the next few months rolling out? Obviously, we just had the federal budget announced um, and ongoing consultations uh, will still continue to figure out where some of those funds will be going. Uh, but what's next for you? What do you think is your vision for the future? Well, that's uh, the that's million-dollar question. I get this quite often as to, uh, you know, how am I, where, where am I headed? And uh, I, I'm not sure, you know, it's funny because all of the, this is probably the funniest thing in the world, is all the political parties, so whether you're far left, center-ish, or right, they've all reached out to me to run. And so they, so like, because I've done this in a non-partisan, in a non-partisan way, you know, and so they, nobody has any idea what way I lean, if I lean anyway. And uh, I've also had some people ask about city council uh, here in Ottawa. So I've got those options, but 
you know, I, I love owning my business. I love being an entrepreneur. I'm a part-time prof at the college. I love working with youth and hoping to give them some guidance. There's, there's just, you know, right now, I told somebody the other day, I feel like I'm 25. I feel that the whole world is in front of me right now. I've got all this, all these different things going on, and I, I feel very, very fortunate to be in this position. It's incredible, Michael. Well, good luck. Keep us posted on any future campaigns that may be, may be coming our way. But I think, you know, on behalf of the entire small business community, um, it is so important to have champions like you and people who are so dedicated to elevating the voices of all kinds of businesses, from you know, supporting women entrepreneurs across industries um, that have been either hard hit or not. Um, it's really incredible to see um, this new role that you've taken on and really championing these powerful narratives. So on behalf of everyone, thank you so much for for really dedicating the last year and a half to that kind of support. Well, you're too kind. I'm going to volley this back to you because Startup Canada has provided so many resources and so much opportunity for people yourselves and to have this podcast available to uh, women entrepreneurs. This is like, it's something special and, and you have no idea how honored I was to be asked to do this. And, you know, you guys just keep doing you because you provide a lot of hope and that's what we need right now is hope and direction and you guys keep providing that and then honestly you're amazing all right back at you there we go we've got the warm and fuzzies at the end of the podcast any final takeaways michael for our audience before we leave for the day sure you know i guess the final takeaway is that uh i I don't want to because the pandemic is different but I, i i truly believe everything happens for a reason whatever reason that is uh we'll we'll find out maybe at some point um but you know, it's so hard, but know that people support you. People love you. And when we do get out of this, I think we're going to see a huge upswing in small business and recovery. Um, at some point, we just need to get to that point. And, you know, as I say, everybody supports you. Everybody loves you. And we're here to, if I can do anything in the future, Kayla, to help anybody that's listened to this, you know, I'm very accessible on social media. Anybody can reach out to me anytime. Fantastic. And what's uh, what's the best way to reach out to you, Michael? On Twitter? You want to pop your hand yeah. in, in the chat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, absolutely. So pretty simple um, for me. Everything, with the exception of LinkedIn, because, of course, that's a little bit more professional than the rest of them. I had to put <laughs> the voice on. Uh, everything is, is slash Mike Wood Ottawa. Except for LinkedIn, which is Michael Wood, Ottawa, to be a little bit more LinkedIn y, if you will. So, yeah, people are more than welcome to uh, hit me up. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Michael. Keep up the incredible work. We are following behind you. Um, and thank you for everything that you're doing for the small business community. Thank you so much for having me on, Kayla. It's been amazing. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Women Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, VDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook Resources for Women Entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rick Spence and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to choose to challenge the status quo and unleash the economic potential of women.